Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and release our children and our children's workers to their classrooms as they learn about the Lord. May you guys be blessed. I'm not a long-winded preacher as it is, but I'm going to be a little bit shorter today. And I wrestled with it, but I just felt I had one real point to make this morning that God put on my heart. As we're going through our series of the miracles of Elijah, this morning we're going to be telling the story of the Shunammite woman, a mother who has struggled with motherhood as well. But there's not just a blessing in the word I want to deliver today, but there's going to be a challenge that I pray your hearts are ready to receive. So let's pray and we'll dive right into the word of God. Father, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for our mothers. Thank you for how they make us better. Thank you for the sacrifices that they've done. And thank you, God, that we can be under this roof here in your house to celebrate them, to pray for them, to encourage them. Now, as we open up the word of God, thank you so much for the blessing we have and being able to receive your word freely in this country. And as we continue in our series and seeing the great miracles of Elijah, may you speak to our hearts today. May you challenge us and equip us but may you bring an individual word to each and every one of us in this room. God, we love you. We praise you. Go before us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, When I was 15 years old, I gave my heart to the Lord, became a Christian, and started attending my youth group faithfully every single week, met some amazing friends. And it was only about three months after I I got saved that I actually got hired on to this mega church, about 5,000 people at this church, and they had a, a crew Uh, some full-time maintenance men, but then they hired all these teenagers to do all the toilet cleaning and everything else over the weekend. As you can imagine, 5,000 people coming to your living room and using your bathroom, it's going to be a big mess. And so I got hired onto this team, and and some of my best friends, even to this day, uh, were part of that crew. And then as I graduated high school, that little part-time job turned into a full-time position. Now, at this megachurch, it was awesome because I was only this 18-year-old kid that got a full-time job at a church on a team of about 30 full-time employees. So I got to go to staff devotion, staff meetings. I got to see the behind the scenes of how a giant church really works. But I got really comfortable living at home. I wasn't interested in the ladies. I I told the Lord after I graduated high school, the next one that I date is going to be my wife. And praise the Lord, that was Nikki. And so for three years, I didn't date. I just focused on loving the Lord, serving the Lord, working at the church, and I got really comfortable. The pay was okay, and I had an awesome truck as a young kid, and I had great friends, and doing fun things every single day was wonderful. But I knew in my heart I was called to be a preacher, and I wasn't rushing to go to college. I graduated with my first degree, I think, when I was 31 years old or something like that. I wasn't in any rush. And I remember that my circle of friends, uh, we all loved their moms. And I grew up in a generation where you called your friend's mom, mom. And uh, if you were messing around, they could pop you one in the back of the head. That's just, you know, how how the moms work. She's like, go ahead and beat him if you need to. If he's acting a fool at your house, just go ahead and spank him. That's how I grew up. And so one of my friend's mom, who I called mom, I was pushing this giant uh, trash can, cleaning up after uh, the children had their lunchtime at the private school at that church. And I'm cruising along, and she stops me. She's right in my way, and she slams that trash can down, looks me dead in the eye and said, when are you going to stop this and go to Bible college? You're called to be a pastor. And so I'm joking with her. I'm like, what's wrong with what I'm doing? I mean, look at the other three grown adults that I work with. They're in their 30s and 40s. They have homes. They're working and serving the Lord. I could do this for the rest of my life. And she said, you stop it. And she's slamming this trash can. She says, you stop it and you enroll in Bible college and just walked away. So that night, 
I enrolled in Bible college. <laughs> and it wasn't very long after that that I took over that youth group, became a pastor, and for 22 years now, it's what I've been doing. It was the power of a mom who said, stop being comfortable and go after your calling. And the story that we're going to read today is very similar to that. And today we're continuing in the series, Ridiculous Faith. And in these stories of the miracles of Elijah, I'm praying for a resurrection of supernatural faith in our hearts, that we don't become complacent and idle, sitting on our hands as believers, but that we truly, honestly want to supercharge our faith to believe that God still does the impossible. And today with the Shunammite woman, a very faithful woman, a, a content woman, generous. I mean, she gave blessing, you know what? But the Lord blessed her with a child, a child she didn't even ask for. And then that child dies. The promise of God dies. And there's something so powerful that happens in her response to the promise of God dying in her life. And that's what I want to teach on today. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, I'm pretty sure that about 100% of the room has read this story multiple times and has heard multiple sermons on this story. But the Shunammite woman, so interesting that they don't give her name. She's just a Shunammite woman. This woman probably wanted kids because in that day and age in Bible times, your kids were your inheritance. Your kids were your retirement. It was shameful if you couldn't produce children. So you can imagine this, this woman who has an older husband and, and she can't have children for him and the shame she must have carried. But it says in the word that she was faithful and she was content, meaning that she, and she said it in her own voice that I'm among my own people, saying that I'm so respected and so loved here that even though I don't have children and my husband's old, my community of people will love me and take care of me. So she, she knew she wanted children. She couldn't have children. But somewhere along that line, she gave up on the dream. She gave up on the dream, and she, she started to say, well, I guess my life doesn't, doesn't involve children, so I'm going to look to other things, and I'll be a blessing to others. And, and I love this man of God, Elisha, and I'm going to build a room for him. And every time he comes by, I'm going to cook. And all I got to say is, I don't know what that lady was cooking, but it had to be good. Because the man of God said, I'm going right to this Shunammite woman's house because she's cooking again. They prepared a room for me. But she gave up on her dream. And I know that I'm not the only one in this room that has believed God for something and it didn't happen. Or I tried and I took a risk and it failed and my expectations weren't met. I know I'm not the only one in the room, but we cannot let the promises of God die. And the title of today's sermon is Don't Let It Die. Don't give up. We got to keep that dream in our heart. I know that in Los Angeles, they have the Dream Center and we're a four square church. This began in 1923 at Echo Park, Los Angeles. Angelus Temple, Amy Simple McPherson built this 5,000-seat temple, basically, where she could have a headquarters for revival. That church is still in existence today and thriving. Matthew Barnett, who created the Dream Center, it was this abandoned hospital right on Highway 101 in Los Angeles. And they, through a miracle, were able to get this property, and every single floor on this hospital was converted into a ministry. First floor is for the homeless. Second floor is for abused women. Third floor is for kids that aged out of the foster care system. Incredible ministry, incredible ministry. And I was reading a book that he wrote um, and explained the story. And he said that when people come to us for help, they're interviewed. And in this interview, they're asked a question right at the start. And that question is, what is your dream? 
Can you imagine a man who is strung out on meth and they say, what's your dream? My dream is not to be addicted to drugs and, and to not get arrested. You know, an abused mother, what is your dream? Safety. Like, what, why are you asking me about a dream? And see, the reason they ask, what is your dream, is because they need a vision that goes just beyond their survival. We can't just live a life where we're just here and tolerating, and one day we swept up to heaven. God put us on this planet for such a time as this, to have a calling upon our life, to be faithful and obedient to where he directs us so that we can be a blessing to other people and bring them into saving grace. And so we're going to see this challenge with the Shunammite woman, and I'm going to begin in verse 16. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16. Then he said, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, as Elijah had said to her. Now, this is why I know that she was so, so wanting a child, because she wouldn't react that way if she didn't. He says, you're going to have a child. And she says, that's too good to be true. You don't know how long I've prayed for this. You don't know how much I've wanted this. And now you're just going to so casually tell me that I'm going to have a child. She's like, don't, don't even, I didn't ask for this. Don't do this to me. I don't want to deal with that trauma and that pain again. And I've, I personally have witnessed so many people who have been trying to have a baby for years. One of them, a friend of mine, John and Adela Nuno, uh, they were trying for 14 years to have a baby. One day they come to the altar and they get prayed over. And she came to find out later that week, she was actually two months pregnant. God did a miracle. Then after that first child was born, they had another child. And so he, in a testimony video, he says, okay, God, I'm 50. I'm good. No more. You know, the blessing started and it continued. And so I've seen, I've seen what people go through when they desire a baby and they can't conceive. And so here she's like, this is too good to be true. Please don't play around with me. Verse 18, when the child was grown, the day came when he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Now on Mother's Day, ain't that something? He did the most dad thing imaginable. There's a problem, go talk to your mama. <laughs> go talk to your mom. Verse 20, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. He said, will you go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. And she said, it will be well. I love the declaration. It will be well. Verse 24. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And the man of God saw her at a distance and said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, there is a Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. That's, that's dangerous. When you ask the lady, is everything okay? She says, I'm fine everything's fine. It's like, no, it's not, you liar. <laughs> but here, I love that she, she has this promise of God. And praise the Lord, she was able to receive that because there was fear. There was doubt. Don't play with me. And I think we've all been in that place before where we wanted a blessing from God, but it terrifies us because with a, a blessing comes a responsibility. 
And so she was terrified, but she was still in obedience, able to receive. God said, you have a calling on your life to be a mother. And even though that terrified her, she still received. She was able to receive. But she did two other very, very powerful things in this, this, this position here. She didn't react. She responded. She held God at his word. When the promise of God died, remember, God's promises never die. So when she saw this promise dead, she says, this is not right. So she took that promise and put it on the bed of the man of God. The man of God at that time was like the Bible. They didn't have a printed Bible like you and I have today. It was the oracle of God. It was the prophetic utterance. It was, it was the man of God as a representation of who the father is. So she took that promise and she says, this is what you said, God. This is your thing. This is your responsibility. She put it back to him. She held God at his word. We can never allow the facts to trump the truth. The facts may say I'm at a doctor's office and and he's saying I have this diagnosis and I have cancer and I have that. That's a fact. You're sick. That's a fact. But the truth says by his stripes we were healed. And so she said, this is dead, but this isn't right. So I'm going to go to the truth of what God has said. You will have a child and this child will live. So she brought the promise back. Then in the middle of her pain, this is so powerful. In the middle of her pain, she made a plan. In the middle of her pain, she made a plan. She says, this is not right. I'm going back to the man of God. He does signs, wonders, and miracles. He's going to fix this. And so she goes straight there. She says everything's fine, and she brings it back. She has a plan. I remember years ago when we planted a church, we were living in an RV. I was working a daytime job as a maintenance man and on my feet for nine hours a day, and we're in this tiny little RV with my son and two dogs. And Nikki was recently diagnosed with major depressive disorder and some incredible panic attacks. We sought prayer and, and uh, we were able to be okay with her going on small dosages of medicine and we worked this through. I mean, I remember times, and she has no memory of this, where she's in such a panic and the attack was so strong, she is flailing around accidentally hurting herself. I can't tell you how many times I had to bear hug her with all of my strength to keep her from hurting herself and just whispering in her ear a prayer or giving her hope or encouraging her. And in the middle of this, something stirred in Nikki's heart to where she says, I'm not going to be like this for the rest of my life. And she did a plan. She, she had a plan with, with her doctor to get off of her medication. She had a plan. She started on supplements. She changed her diet. She changed the way she did exercise. She changed all this stuff. And then in a period of just a couple of, uh, of, of years, my wife actually, thank you, dear, she actually worked herself to where her brain is sharp and she's finding joy and she's doing things that she would have never been able to do three years ago because in the middle of her pain, she had a plan. And this Shunammite woman, I don't think anybody could imagine a child that dies, but in the middle of that excruciating pain, she had a plan. Let's continue in verse 27. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is troubled within her and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask for a son for my Lord? Did I not say, don't deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, do not salute him. And if anyone salutes you, do not answer him and lay my staff on the lad's face. 
And the mother of the lad said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. Now, this is so awesome. Not only does she have a plan for her pain, but she stayed with the man of God. That means that she, she wanted to wait on the Lord in the middle of waiting for an answer. Now, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean being passive. Waiting is like a towel over your forearm. What can I do for you, Lord? What do you want me to do? It's an active thing to wait on the Lord. And so she's staying near. There's scripture in Deuteronomy that says that we must cling to the Lord. Cling. You know, like those 30-year-old dads who try to wear skinny jeans. Cling, you know, to the Lord. (laughs) I've seen dudes that have jeans on so tight, you could read the dates on the pennies on the back pocket. It's tight. Cling. (laughs) So she held on to the man of God. And she says, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. This is the promise. The promise has died. You can fix this. I'm waiting on you until I hear my answer. If only we had that type of perseverance in the storms of life that we face. If only we had that perseverance when we say, God, what do you will for my life? What is my calling? And we go after that with all of our passion. And see, it's such a temptation when something shocking comes or pain comes or confusion comes or a spiritual attack comes that your mind can wander into so many different places. And this mom could have had so many things to think of. What am I going to do now? Now I have another tragedy in my heart. What's going to be of my, my husband's reputation? All these thoughts are going through her mind. But the prophet Isaiah says, in perfect peace will it keep those whose minds are stayed on the Lord. She clung to the man of God. She did not let him go. And let's finish up with a couple verses here. Verse 31. Then Gehazi passed on before them and led the staff Uh, and laid the staff on the lad's face, but there was no sound of response. So he returned to meet him, told him, the lad has not awakened. And Elisha came to the house and and behold, the lad was dead and on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind him and both prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth to his mouth, his eyes to his eyes, his hands to his hands and stretched himself on him. And the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house back and forth and went and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times. That's so weird. (laughs) I don't know why the Bible mentions that. We were, I forgot, we were at breakfast yesterday and we're talking about how quiet Nikki sneezes. She goes, ha, ha, (laughs) When I sneeze, my face blows up because I'm a dad. That's, That's what you're supposed to do. But like my sister and my niece and others are you the type when, when you sneeze, it's like minimum five? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why people do that, but the Bible, it's weird sometimes, right? So this, this child sneezes seven times, and then the lad opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and when he, she came in, he said, take up your son. She went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground, and she took up her son. So I love it. This, the story ends on a happy note. But more so, this story begins and ends with worship. Now, she's not worshiping the man of God. She's honoring him, but symbolically at saying, God, I worship you. God, thank you so much. My child was dead, but he is now alive. This was your promise. You didn't let your promise die. Now, it's so interesting to me in the scriptures that it says Shunammite woman. Why does Elisha keep calling her Shunammite? doesn't even say her name. Well, I was curious. And so this past week, I looked up the word Shunam, the city of Shunam. And in the Hebrew, it's so fascinating. That word means, that name, Shunem, means place of double resting. Then I looked a little bit further, and the root word, the root word of that means fortunate. So here this, this Shunemite woman is in a place of double resting, and she's fortunate. 
So again, she's content. She's blessing the man of God. She's being faithful to whatever God says. She's a blessing to her community. She's not asking God for anything. I have all that I need, but there was a calling on her life. And most preachers will take this story and and talk about the blessing of God upon your life and how to fight for your breakthrough and not letting the promise of God die and how you can get your blessing in three easy steps or three easy payments, right? We see preachers use this story in multiple ways, but I don't see from this story how to get a blessing. I see in this story how not to forfeit your calling. Because unfortunately, and please hear this, if you hear nothing else in this sermon today, hear this, her contentment took her calling captive. Her contentment took her calling captive. So she was called to be a mother, but in her contentment, she had a hesitation from what she would receive from God. Praise God, she did receive, and praise God that she was able to see the promise fulfilled, even though at one point it looked like it was dying. She was called to be a mother. And I feel like the American dream sometimes can be a growth barrier to revival. What if the kingdom of God is not advancing on earth as it is in heaven because our contentment is taking our calling captive? What if we're letting the promises of God on our lives die because we give it no action, no prayer, no obedience, no willingness to receive what God has said to us? A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan on only doing the things we can do by ourselves. Family, we have a calling on our lives. Some of us are creative, some of us are preachers, some of us are singers, some of us are mothers, but we are all called to do our part to allow the love of God to infiltrate this world. It's a lost and a dying world. I heard this morning that uh, there's going to be protests all amongst the churches because of the abortion being turned around. We have a world that is desperate for the good news of Jesus Christ. And let me conclude with this before I pray. Just one of my favorite preachers, John Wesley. This was an excerpt from his journal on the power of of not letting a dream die, not letting the promise of God die. In his journal, he writes, Sunday, a.m., May 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked to not come back anymore. Sunday, p.m., May 5th, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, a.m., May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday, a.m., May 19th, Preached at somebody else's church. Deacons called a special meeting and said I could not return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off of the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Finally, Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came to hear me. We can't let the promise of God die. And it's my encouragement to this, this sermon again is not how do we capture the blessing of God? He has blessed us richly as Ephesians tells us. But the challenge today is what has he called you to? It may be a mom and that's a great calling. It may be something else, but are you hearing from the Lord and receiving the calling he has placed on your life? So Father, thank you so much again for our moms our moms who do carry an incredible calling, moms who speak destiny into their children and into their families. And we thank you, God, for our mothers. We thank you for what they do for us. And now, as we have heard from this amazing mother in the scriptures, we thank you for the challenge that at one point she was content and refused the calling. But when the pain came, 
She had a plan. And she held you at your word because your promises never die, God. You never fail. And so for my family here, thank you for an encouraging word and a challenge to be faithful, to give everything we have to the calling you have placed on our lives. I ask your blessing on them, Father. I ask your protection on them. And I pray for deep revelation as we go about the next few weeks, Lord, that you would begin to speak wonderful things over our destiny, our identity, the calling that you have put on our lives. Help us to grow a growing passion for the lost, a passion to minister to those who are hurting, a passion to give away the great things that you have given to us in honor of your name. We love you today, God. Bless us as we celebrate our moms today. Go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a happy and a wonderful Mother's Day. We'll have some altar workers up here. If there's any prayer needs or you need the healing in your body, we'll be available for you. God bless you, family.